to a labyrinth segment. Today's segment covers the concept of might makes right. Now, this is one of those things that gets debated in spiritual communities, by philosophers, heck, by government, by the common man, as well as by the uh, uncommon man. It's debated by wizards and warlocks. It's debated by well, by churchmen and clergy. It's debated by just about everyone in the world. And it's one of those things that we tend to debate because it's easy to kind of take a very subjective point of view on this objective concept and then make it subjective again. And even what I have to say today will be subjective in its own right. Even what I have to say today will be subjective because it comes from my point of view. In fact, everything comes from your own point of view, no matter how objective you try to be. It winds up being a subjective action. With that in mind, the topic of might makes right is, is really, it's one of those core concepts uh, that we question. It's one of those core concepts that we like to say is wrong. We like to say, no, right, might doesn't make right. Right makes right. You know, might is just a, uh, is just a power, it's just force. And then the question when asked, well, what makes this right or that right? Well, then social standards come into play. Now, let's, uh, let's go with the most basic one, which is theft. Okay, theft is the only crime, I've said in the past. And I believe theft truly is the only crime. It is the theft of innocence, the theft of life, the theft of property, the theft of identity, the theft of self, the theft of security, the theft of self-awareness, all of these things that we get upset about, that we consider crimes against humanity or crimes within any legal structure, or even just crimes in the sense of wrongdoings, are at their core some kind of theft, and yet all action to some degree is some kind of theft. It is theft of a moment or theft of a way of thinking. But where might makes right comes into this is where where do we start to draw that line, you know, between having a casual conversation with someone and debating a topic as not being theft and really beating someone's head in? And how is it that line has been skewed and changed over the years? You know, we talk about the basic rights of humanity, you know, the right to think what you choose to think, the right to believe what you choose to believe, the right to not be forced into any spiritual philosophy or any religious philosophy, the right to not be forced into any one structure. And then we take that concept and we start to look at it, and a big question comes in. What makes that concept correct? Well, someone fights and dies for that concept. People are willing to stand up because they believe in that concept. People are willing to sacrifice of themselves because they find that concept to be true and worth fighting for. But isn't that just the imposition of might from one person to another? When you take such a concept like that, what are we, re what are we really seeing then? 
you know, the person says, this is the right thing to do. Well, how did that right thing come about? Look at it, you know. The society that it was formed by, at some point, was conquered by another society. Or is the result of another society conquering that society and then imposing their values of right and wrong? Christmas. Great holiday season. I am a big fan of Christmas, okay? I am also a man who doesn't celebrate Christmas, okay? Um, I'll give a few gifts here and there. I'll give a few things that mean something to me, to someone else. But I, uh, I, have, I have little concern for the, the over-popularized, over-commercialized bullshit that the season's become. You know, as, as a person, as a being, as a wizard, as a, a warrior in his own right, as a man who trains his body, his mind, and his soul to higher levels... This concept of Christmas, while I believe the core concept is valid, what it's become is invalid. But the reason I bring up Christmas is because where does this tradition come from? Well, it comes from pagan rituals and uh, Catholic, or rather I should say Christian, because there was no Catholicism at the time. That was Christianity. Um, Christian rule and overtaking of the people of the land in an attempt to convert. So, at what point did this holiday that we all you know feel is a great special time it's a right thing but it was something that came about because someone believed in the concept and the idea and was willing to put the blade to it now i know that i'm not trying to ruin christmas for anyone and i don't mean this to sound like an attack on christmas in fact as i've said before christmas is one of my favorite holidays i love the idea i love the time of year um, I love the winter solstice. I love the idea that it's a time for coming together with friends and family and enjoying each other. What I'm saying is that even such a basic tradition came about because someone fought for it. Someone was willing to go out and uh, kill someone else to make it happen. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you believe you're right in something, that killing someone is the, the right course of action. Of course not. Um, in fact, as always, you know, what you do is on you. You know, we're not responsible for what you do in this world. But what I'm saying is when we start talking about things like right and wrong, you know, we start talking about things like segregation. We start talking about things like equal opportunities. We start talking about things like gender roles and gender preferences. We start talking about a whole host of uh, really, really touchy subjects. And we keep forgetting that the only reason these subjects are touchy at all is because two people are willing to knock each other's teeth in for them. That the subjects themselves don't come into play so much until you start looking at power structure in the world. You know, if you are of a certain sexual preference and you are discriminated against for that, it is illegal because you have banded together with others of that sexual preference to then enforce a level of might a level of strength in action against the system, which is a type of might. You get enough people voting on your side, you get people that support you on this, and suddenly, while you may be the minority, you have a majority vote, a majority rule to change this. You have might, you have power, okay? This comes back down to the most basic and ancient of truths, that the man with the greater strength, the better sword, the ability to fight better, longer, and harder, 
is going to be the victor. Now, with all that being said, we can distill truth from cultures and come up with a very, very, uh, very bland ideal of it. At the same time, this bland ideal does not convey the uh, universal truth that most of this is based on human nature to develop might within the species of humanity. We live in a world removed from animals. We live in a world removed from danger. We live in a world removed from, from really life itself. And then we interact only with each other. Well, we, at one point, as people, as society, banded together against animals, against nature, against death itself, and by banding together created a type of might. And yet that structure was still there even then. The stronger would rule over the weaker. And this is, to a degree, the nature of the world. You can try to escape it, and you can try to fight against it. You can say, I don't believe that right makes right, and I'm going to fight against that. Well, that kind of statement there, what you've really said is, I totally believe that might makes right. And I'm going to make sure that my might is better than your might, and therefore my right is better than your right. Let us, let us look at law. Let us look at basic law. Basic law states that when we pull people together, we develop a system where the infringement upon one person or entity is limited due to basic law. Due to those things that basic law allows and keeps prevalent. Then we look at that, and what that really is, is that by banding together, we've generated more might as a people who don't want to be injured or harmed by other people than those who do wish to injure or harm us. It comes back to a might-makes-right scenario. You can try to escape it. You can try to avoid it. But at the end of the day, that doesn't do very much. Now, someone out there is going to be bound to be thinking up of bringing Gandhi. And it's true, Gandhi said don't fight, be passive, be peaceful. And he's had a great and positive influence in the world that is filled with war, that is filled with death, and that's filled with destruction. He made this powerful impact on, on this world. I mean, you can see that since his life started, since everything he has done in it, that, you know, we no longer have war, we no longer have tyranny, we no longer have any of those things, right? Right? Ooh, no, no. We still have war. We still have tyrants. We still have despots and political intrigue. And we still have deception. We still have the stronger man beating the weaker man down into submission and calling it right because he has the power to do so. And that's what it boils down to. And Gandhi had as much impact on the world as a drop in a bucket. What he said resonated with people who are already weak, but didn't believe that they could get up and make a change in their world. What he said resonated with people that felt that they could not affect the world, you know, through their own actions, through their own words. What he said resonated with people that didn't want to fight to make change. What he said was very alluring, very appealing, but it wasn't very effective. We still have a world where violence happens every day. And yes, in the civilized world, we do imprison those who are violent. We do imprison those who attack and hurt others. And yet, 
that does not prevent that action in any way. In fact, at the moment that someone attacks you, be it physical or metaphysical, might makes right becomes the only law in existence. Now, why would I bring up such a topic? You know, why have I dove into might makes right? Well, you know, the labyrinth is about spirituality and mysticism, especially the harnessing of power. And I think it's important to really, really tackle this, this uh, statement head on first, because my belief is that it's much easier for someone who, from my point of view, is very despicable, very dastardly. Someone who's trying to hurt someone has more incentive to go out and learn how to become mighty, to become destructive, to become powerfully unopposable, than someone who's looking to just live their life and not be affected. So techniques that, you know, someone who is a fighting type personality, someone who's the kind of person who looks to be destructive, would develop a uh, less aggressive individual might not, or might not even think to. A lot of the most basic techniques for defense and mysticism, a lot of the most basic attacks and counterattacks that you'd make use of are so simple that when you describe them to someone, they go, yeah, nah, really? But at the same time, they, you get this kind of funny look from those who aren't in the know, from those who don't understand. And a really good example, I tell people, you know, you just got to take a deep breath in and just feel your energy pushing out. And if that don't, if you can't feel it, kind of imagine what it would feel like because your mind is going to move that energy in the way you want it. And people look at me like I just looked at them and said, you know, purple zebras jumping down the street in a Corvette. That's the sentence they hear. Purple zebras jumping down the street in a Corvette. What I said is nonsensical. It's a combination of words thrown together with no purpose and no intent. That's what people hear. Because they don't think like someone who's trying to harness that power. But when someone else is using it against them, oh boy, do they want to be able to use it then. Oh boy, do they want to be the big bad, the almighty. Well, if you're going to play with the big dogs, if you're going to really be able to defend yourself from those out there and there are a lot of bad people out there you know black magic is the most looked up topic in terms of mysticism you go to every forum you go to every cultural place you go to every meeting place and there's always someone asking how do i put a curse on someone you know they're like i want to curse someone i say you know the best way to curse someone is as you're driving down the highway is to stick your middle finger out and yell f you buddy boy that is the best curse i've seen yet guaranteed to throw your intended target into a rage but 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 it is not the wisest of curses it's not the most effective for killing someone that's for sure and what happens when you're getting hit by a killing curse when you have someone who's really trying to curse you to death most people want to be mighty then when push comes to shove they want their right which is their the right the truth their truth that they have the right to live and be happy and not be harmed by some sadistic, half-crazed spellcaster. They want that truth to be more true, more real, more powerful than the truth of might makes right. But what they're not realizing is might does make right. When someone's doing something like that, you've got to be willing to harness energy and pull from the universe. And it's not an incredibly complex set of techniques. It's not incredibly difficult to do, but you got to be ready, willing, and able to do that, first and foremost, above and beyond. You know, you've got to be ready, willing, and able to do that 
and not really uh not really limit yourself in that because really all mysticism comes down to you know power versus application technique versus raw energy and it takes a little bit of both and i'm actually going to have david uh talk about that in a future labyrinth episode as a guest host on it um not a, not the whole episode itself but as a uh, segment like we're doing with this and the labyrinth's going to be having more segments like that as time comes on so you'll get to enjoy these little uh 20 30 minute clips like this but you know looking at, at this might mix right thing you know if you're going to deal with mysticism you've got to have a real good strong firm understanding it might makes right and at the same time you know you got to not fall into what i call the big chuck mistake the big chuck mistake the mistake that i always make when dealing with any situations i believe a little more power will get me through it no matter what it is so i i train for raw power i do raw power for everything i'm i'm the guy who wakes up in the morning you know and I'm looking at the coffee maker and I'm looking at the electrical outlet and I'm seeing that it's unplugged and you know the knife the butter knife is still on the on the counter and I'm thinking I got a quicker way to wake me up I got a way to get charged real quick I'm the guy who jams that butter knife in the electric socket every single time and I'm there going you know getting fried I'm awake you know before I pass out I'm the most awake man out there and then I get the best sleep of my life when I survive it. But that's from a mystical point. I don't actually shove uh, shove utensils into uh, electric sockets. Um, tempted some days to shove utensils into electric sockets with someone else holding on to it, but you, you get my point. My point is that, you know, you need a certain level of technique to go with power, but at the same time, power is what it is, you know? we talk about so is above so is below okay what makes a man right in a boxing match what makes him right you have two men go in one man is proven right and one man is proven wrong is what it boils down to now not everything of that man's is proven right you could say that a right idea a truly right idea is an idea that most or many people agree upon and gravitate to because it is right but um many people gravitate towards some very nefarious actions out there and that doesn't make those actions right you know many people will beat you or hurt you soon just as soon as shake your hand they'll spit on you just as soon as wave to you that doesn't make that right that however in a sense does make it right it does make it true they have the might to do it no one can oppose that action in mysticism in spirituality these truths that are completely true are not even then completely true they are more true because more people are willing to stand up and the more numbers you have in any action and any task the more powerful you become but the question of might makes right, the uh, really the application that I'm giving it here to you for today, is to remember that while you have your own truths, they are only as true as you are strong to make them true. While you have your own reality, your own faith, it is only as strong as you are to make it powerful. You've got to look at these things, and you've got to realize that when 
push comes to shove, when it's a battle of wills between you and someone else, your power to change their world, be it through spellcraft or be it through physical action, is what determines how strong you really are. And thereby, it determines whether or not you are in the right. You know, you can look at all of this mysticism and say, I have this truth that I am this good person and yada, 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 and that will protect me, and I call bullshit. You have greater faith. You have greater certainty, and therefore you make it more real. Which is to say you have greater might that makes that right. Your belief that that's right is making you mighty enough to make it true, but that doesn't make it completely real, and it doesn't make it completely right or true. You know, let's look at little old guy walking down the street and he gets mugged, okay? We say, that's terrible, that's so wrong that that should happen. But in actuality, it's completely right. Incapable of defending himself, unarmed, you know, he gets hurt. Because someone's an asshole decides to just go uh, kick the shit out of him. Now... This is where you, the practicing spellcaster, you, the practicing mystic, you, the person looking for some spiritual truth, need to really pay attention. You see that little old guy walking down the street, okay? Or you are that little old guy walking down the street. And you have developed over the years inner strength to power the body, physical strength to harness the will. You know, strength of mind, body, and soul to make you capable of uh, changing someone's reality. Maybe in spellcraft. Maybe uh, in less subtle means. Maybe in means that are a little more, a uh, little, little more uh, oriented in the in the ancient arts of a fisticuffs. Well, when that occurs, be you the little old man, or be you the person who's watching as the per as this. Uh, this thug, this uh, Neanderthal walks up and goes to assault the poor old fella. You know, suddenly, you have made right. What is right in your mind, what is right in your heart, become reality. Suddenly, you have proven the essence that might makes right. Now, that is your choice. That is the kind of choice I go after. That's the kind of choice that's true to me. You may sit back and watch that poor little old man get beaten to death. And you may not be able to stop it. And that is your might being so insignificant. You, oh, it's terrible. I couldn't stand to watch it happen. But yet, I stood to watch it happen. Then you could stand to watch it happen because you're so weak you couldn't do anything about it. So weak you just sat there and did nothing. You know, this... Little This little program, this one today, this little skit, this little clip, is for uh, all those people out there who've sat back and watched someone get hurt. But it's not to put you down, okay? This is, this is to lift you up. I'm telling you that that was yesterday and today's today. And you can choose. You can choose to change your direction. You can choose to change the way you do this. You can make yourself stronger you know if the labyrinth is about anything it's about becoming so strong that when it becomes a question of might makes right you can intervene you can stop that person whether you're the little old man or the little old lady or whether you're the uh the bystander watching you have the ability to then 
decide to change that outcome. You know, I always say in those kind of situations, they're few and far between. When you run into them, you know, there are a lot of things that run through your head. Um, if you have a cell phone on you, dialing 911 is a good idea. You know, you were, your right maybe in, insufficient, okay? You see the little old guy walking down the street, and young punk comes over and hits him in the face, and you run out, hey, you can't do that, and he beats you into the ground. Um, he's there, oh, yeah, apparently I can. Uh, you know, that does you no good. And that, that means nothing. On the other side of that, you dial 911, you say I'm at, you know, the crossroads of West and Green, and, you know, there's a guy assaulting someone, send help. Then you hang up the phone. And then you take off towards that pair, and you enter the fight, and you know, as you're there taking a beating, your might is insufficient to make right. But, you know, as you're there getting beat up, you hear the sirens, the police show up. All of a sudden, your might made a difference. Because might is not just the physical character. It's not just about being big and buff and burly and walking around. Yeah, man. I bench press 900 pounds. I do testicle lifts to improve my stamina. You know, I, I've got so much muscle in my body that I once lifted a, 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 a semi-truck up above my head. And the ground itself cried out in pain. But you know what I said? I said, it's time for a protein shake. That's not what I mean when I say might makes right, okay? I do a lot of working out. I do a lot of training with my weapons. And at the end of the day, why do I train with a sword so much and not my fist as much? Because while my fists are always with me, I've built up a little bit of instinct with them. I know how to use them. But that sword is an extension of my might. It is an enhancement of my might. And in mysticism, you shouldn't be afraid to enhance your might. You shouldn't be afraid to become stronger. People in mysticism like to frown on having objects of power. You don't need a special magic ring or a wand or a talisman. Yeah, I don't need a friggin' sword either, but you know what? If a dude comes in the crowbar with a crowbar at me, uh, I feel a lot better for having a sword, you know. Um, now, I, I'm not a big proponent of the use of guns. and A lot of people ask why, because I don't think they really make you any more powerful um, to a degree that they are necessary. What I mean by that is I'm about as effective with my sword, with the minor training I've had to disarm an enemy combatant with a weapon that is melee oriented with a with a staff, a baseball bat, or a crowbar. I'm about as effective as I would be with a gun. Uh, he ain't gonna last long. He ain't gonna. He ain't gonna be pretty. But, and this is where it starts to to get a little bit different. If the enemy has a gun also, and they are coming at me, they've already drawn their weapon. Okay, and unless I'm the fastest gun in all the east. Well, then uh, I'm not going to stand too much of a chance, you know. Uh, some dude kicks my door down. He's going to have his revolver or his pistol or his assault rifle or God knows his bazooka out pointed at me because he's going to blow us all to freaking hell and back, you know. And then all of my weightlifting, all of my lifting weights with my testicles and swinging my sword till my arms fell off, all of that's going to mean nothing because I'm going to be dead anyway because he's going to fire. 
So that kind of thing, I'm not as big a fan. I don't think a gun makes you any more mighty, but I think physical, mental, and spiritual training can add to your might. And I think that you, the listener, who listen in on these types of shows, there's a reason why I was drawn to KOA, and there's a reason why I want these shows mixed in with the rest of what KOA does. There's a reason I take this side of things, because uh, Justin and David and Chaos bring a certain element, a certain aspect of what I feel is truth. And I feel that you, the listener who've listened to that, know what that element is on a, on a core innate level that I cannot even begin to describe with words, so I'm not going to try. But you understand that on that core innate level. And what, I'm going, what I want to do is I want to make sure that when push comes to shove, you have might on your side, because this right is important to me. This right, I feel, makes a difference in the world. And the result of that is I want to make certain that uh, it's available to others. So might does make right, but that's not a bad thing. That just means you've got to become very strong, very mighty. And if you failed in the past to be strong and mighty, always remember, there's another day right around the corner. You always have a day to get stronger. And strength is not always raw muscle. Knowledge can be power. This episode brought to you by the Rose Quartz Labyrinth. Talismans, spell work, tunements, you name it, we've got it. When it comes to practicing magic for your benefit, we are a leader of the pack. We highly recommend our divination services and our consultation services as these two tend to allow us to help people in a very definitive way with their path spiritually and magically, which is, of course, what the Labyrinth was founded for and what we continue to do to this very day. 